Welcome to Pancakes on Sunday, where we talk about all the flavors of pancakes. We talk about mental health, we game together, we have Soup Squad. Soup Squad. Soup Squad. We have the Pregnancy Podcast, Local History, and Nostalgia Podcast that reflect on our lives as we know them. And we are open to any other flavors that life has to offer. How is everyone feeling today? Good. Just handy. Fantastic. Joe, you sound terrible. Good. Good. Yeah, well, you know, I'm. it's coming back, so you got to bear with me. It is a lot better than what it was last week. Can't yeah. hang. Mm-hmm. Can't, can't hang, hang anymore, with man. the big boys. That's true. That's true. Very I, true. I, I go out to Lakewood one night, have an all-nighter. And morning. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't go to bed until I went home. Yeah. And I wake up and I'm sick and out for four days and completely lose my voice. And Damn. Like, to where I would say two words, and then I would just go into a straight whisper. It was just gone. Like, there was uh, nothing there. So, you had pneumonia? Yeah. It was not fun. Not really. Never is. I, was, I mean, it, was, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't getting any better, so I was going to... I went to urgent care and got got some medication, but... I still whatever. think it was Ryan's pancake and eggs that did it. That would have been food poisoning. I had that pancake and eggs too. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so did George. Oh no, George was passed out on the, on the balcony. That's so right. no, he didn't have it. Bailey did. I mean, it's the cesspool of Lakewood. I, that's, mm-hmm. I got sick somewhere in the cesspool of Lakewood. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, you're, you know, your weak system. Just I get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging around, touching all the. Yeah, I guess you, I don't. I don't touch yeah. enough yeah. urinals, Kyle. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. You gotta up your numbers, dude. <laughs> seriously, gotta get those numbers up, no, boy. Seriously, if you go around to these, I want to start taking pictures of the bathrooms. <coughs> oh, they're not. Nice. There's some sweet, like, I mean, dingy looking pictures, but so oh, like, like, there's some sweet looking, like these are all the bathrooms we saw. Yeah, yeah. Put them on my wall at house in my house. In the house. In the house. Well, we're well, here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to Through the Looking Glass. Season two. It's season two already? Yeah, well, I'm going to make it season two. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Dope. Season two. Guys. Now we, we know. We, we just make decisions on the fly. That's what makes our podcast our podcast. We have a good time. We roll with it. And we're all pretty nonchalant. So... It's been a while, though, since we recorded one of these through the looking glasses. Um, while you might have posted one, uh, <laughs> it, uh, it's been a while since we recorded one. You know, when I became a mom, I turned my counselor brain off for a couple of months and stepped away from work uh, for a while so I could be home with my little one. Um, if this is the first through the looking glass episode you have found interest in, please go check out my other ones. We have talked about a lot of cool mental health topics. Uh, we talked about multi-personality disorder, or uh, that's not really in the DSM. It's dissociative identity disorder or dissociative disorder. Uh, we compared the difference between psychopaths and sociopaths. Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you guys are the worst. You're making my anxiety like... I'm going to have high we're not, blood pressure. We're not even here, man. This. We're not even here, man. Uh, pedophilia and deviant sexual behavior. So that's what I specialize in in the therapeutic world that I work in. Uh, we also did a really good childhood trauma episode. Uh, we talked about Jeffrey Dahmer and the shit that he had to go through as a child and adolescent and why, you know, contributing factors to why he became the person that he did. That was probably one of my favorites. Uh, I also love the dissociative disorder episode we we did with Chelsea. She's a colleague of mine, and she is just so incredibly intelligent. So go check out those other episodes. I also want to remind listeners that my of my credentials. Um, I'm a licensed professional counselor. I have a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling and counselor education. So this is essentially... This allows me to practice as a therapist and to some degree teach others how to be counselors. So it depends. I would descend, I would have to go back for my PhD to become like a professor, but I've been an instructor before in like a college education realm um, at Cleveland State University to teach other 
uh, clinicians how to be uh, chemical dependency chemical dependency counselors. Uh, so my clinical opinion on any of these to- topics that we talk in our podcasts is in no way supposed to suggest that I am an expert in any of these areas. I find interest in so many different things regarding therapy. So I take my clinical experiences that I've had with clients, um, clinical experiences what I, with that, that I've had with other colleagues who've had those experiences. So it's kind of like a pseudo experience and often spend some time researching. I use Google. I uh, talk to other clinicians, of course. That's probably one of the best things that you can do in this field. Uh, reading empirical articles to produce the content that we do in these podcasts. So it's from my perspective as the clinician that I am and my interpretation of the world as I see it. So if anybody has any questions or comments, you know, don't hesitate to reach out and ask or um, comment on anything that you feel you disagree with or, you know, I would love to open a dialogue. So I let's dive in. Um, tonight we have a very interesting topic, uh, something called hybristophilia. Mm. Mm. What do you guys think that is? Sounds like a brisket to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we we started. I mean, we kind of started you know, what it is, but, but feel- where it comes from, or like the uh, the etymology of it. If philia, I mean, philia means you probably have a, a strong liking for it, or because like. Necrophilia or right. other Ooh. philias. That's the only other one I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> Pedophilia. Yeah, pe- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. philia. So a strong liking for something. All right. What the would, the hybrista? Yeah. I don't. I have no idea. Hybrista. I think yeah, of hibiscus or something. Mm-hmm. I don't. You have a fatuation with tea. Ooh. Know. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. we're gonna go a little deeper than that. Ooh. Uh. So, hybristophilia is the phenomenon of an individual being sexually aroused by a criminal offender. Attracted to those bad boys, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Try and make them right. <laughs> Try and yeah. fix them. Okay. Mm. So, you, you got some insight there, mm. Ryan. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that a little bit mm-hmm. uh, here in a little bit. Um, so, this is also known as the Bonnie and Clyde Syndrome. So you think well, that kind of makes more sense than okay, yeah, yep. yep. So <laughs> you think back to the story of Bonnie and Clyde, and I don't know too much about it, but they were two criminals who essentially robbed a bunch of banks, right, or something. To yeah, they were like a love couple that did yeah. a bunch of crime, mm-hmm. and yeah. Uh, a colleague of mine expressed interest in wanting to understand the dynamics of this specific and rather unhealthy relationship. You know, when I'd reached out on Facebook a while ago saying, hey, what do you guys want to hear? Like, what are some podcasts you would listen to if you had the chance to? And this was one of the things. She said she wanted to, you know, uh, people who are in love with serial killers or or people who are in prison. Uh, So I'll start by reminding people what I do as a therapist. Um, We often work with people who have addiction-related issues among other mental illnesses. So... This can encompass a lot of different things, but these individuals usually present with um, pretty significant mental illnesses. So, yes, when I say addiction, a lot of people think like substance abuse. They think, you know, all the substances under the sun, alcohol, weed, uh, nose nachos, nose nachos, (laughs) crack, uh, opiates, right? (laughs) So it's all of those things. But addiction lies so much deeper than that. So a lot of sexual addiction comes through our agency. And we talk a lot, or we, I work with a lot of people who have sexual addiction-related issues. And with that can sometimes uh, present, some individuals present with paraphilias. And that's kind of in the word that we're looking at here, hybristophilia, right? So... Uh, I thought it was important that we define paraphilias. They are persistent and recurrent sexual interests, urges, fantasies, or behaviors of marked intensity involving objects 
activities or even situations that are atypical in nature. So they're against the norm, right? So atypical means against the norm. And it's hard to define what is normal anymore because things are getting just so gray and uncomfortable in some degree. But I think that overall, the neurotypical brain would think of what a an atypical versus a neurotypical uh, dynamic of a sexual relationship would be. One of the most common known... Yeah, what would be normal in that, though? Like, you just... Lay down and do it and that's it? Or like you like get smacked around a little bit and now that's a problem? Well, in my opinion, in my <clears throat> clinical opinion, as far as sexual behavior goes, if there is any lack of consent whatsoever, it's atypical, of course. Yes. Yeah, so yes. if your partner and... So think about it, I guess, as far as boundaries go. If you and your partner engage in sexual behavior... And one of you likes this and another person doesn't like that. How are you guys going to work it out so that both of your needs are being met? If you are persistent that your needs are being met, then that's still not consent just because you're persistent about it. So it really becomes... Typical sexual behavior becomes the consent of two individuals engaging in that behavior. But also, you, then you have the pornography, right? So when somebody sits in front of a computer for five hours a day looking at pornography, that's pretty atypical. Because you're by yourself, but you're still viewing pornography. It's pretty atypical to sit in front of a computer for that long and look at pornography. What's the definition between the two things? Because we're talking about something that there's the act is gone. So like if I like doing something, if I'm addicted to doing something sexually... And I can do it, then I'm addicted to doing it. But mm-hmm. if I'm addicted to thinking about doing it, so then that's, how am I, how, so it's the exact same thing. No, so there's so there's a lot of overlap in obsessive compulsive disorder and addiction. So OCD exists as OCD of thought and OCD of behavior. So then it becomes two different things. You can sit there and think about the same thing over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's still going to cause you just as much as just as much stress. But if you are sitting there acting on it, and if we're talking about pornography and uh, masturbating, that masturbation is going to... Oh. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> masturbating is going to cause you some sort of relief of the tension that you are feeling going into that. Right? So there's OCD of thought and OCD of behavior. But yeah, and in the topic of conversation, this is kind of lacking in the ability to to act upon your obsessions. Are you talking about hyperosophilia? Are we not still? We are still yeah, talking I about that. Yeah, where we were when we left off on that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting saying, into like, that. I am feeling up to talking a little bit more about that. But yes, you're right in um, saying that it's. So, well, Go ahead. Well, as I say, we mentioned, and then we started talking about something that was more along the lines of an action. You know, more. Well, the, I define paraphilia because yeah. hybristophilia. Not a lot of people know what paraphilia. Well, I can't say that. So, there are people that know what paraphilias are, but to kind of for, kind of back, like work our way into it. What's a philia? Right, aphilia is like that's that's part of the word that's paraphilia. Right that's there. part of the word hybridophilia. Philia, yeah. Philia, yeah. So I wanted to define paraphilia to kind of segue into the hybristophilia. Does that make sense? It does. Mm-hmm. So, one of the most common known is pedophilia, and this is the sexual attraction to minors or children. This includes pre- and post-pubescent children, right? So you can have pedophilias who are um, sexually attracted to prepubescent, which is 12 and younger, and post-pubescent, which is 13 and older. And you can have somebody who's pedophilic in nature and also addicted to both. Or not addicted, but they have an attraction to both. So just like any paraphilia, we can genuinely only hypothesize why we believe someone has a paraphilia. 
For example, someone can be sexually abused as a child, and this might manifest as a catalyst and be one of the contributing factors to why someone might be attracted to children. So, for example, someone is abused when they're 13 years old, sexually abused, um, and later on in life, they find that they, and, and not necessarily later on in life, they might know this the whole time, but mo more than not, they don't recognize the sexual attraction to that time in their life where they were sexually abused. So, abuse can sometimes do funky things in our brain, and uh, for lack of a better term, it kind of stunts our brain development. So to some degree, the thought processes and mental illnesses behind one's decision-making are stuck in that time frame. You guys, have you ever heard of regression? Where you've made progress on something and something significant happens in your life and you kind of regress back to that time frame in your life. Where, and, and trigger might be another word that you're familiar with, where you're triggered to experience something that you've already experienced. And again, this isn't like A plus B equals C, right? You're not sexually abused as a 13-year-old and then you're automatically a pedophile. That's not how that works. Sometimes it's one of those contributing factors that might lead someone to becoming a pedophile. Um, people aren't usually born pedophilic in nature. It usually is something other than and multiple things, right? So it's not just one thing. And we've talked about that in previous podcasts with trauma and how that impacts our brain development, our emotional development. Um, so why are people sexually attracted to people in prison who haven't committed significantly heinous crimes? That's kind of the question. Why do you guys think that? Why do you think somebody would? And this is what hybristophilia is, right? So we're, t we're going back to the, the epicenter of what we're talking about tonight. Why would somebody ever be attracted to somebody who's in prison? Thrill. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, are there conjugal visits? I mean, I don't understand, like, if you're sexually attracted to somebody in prison, you, you're you kind of... I don't know how, I don't, I mean, how do you, I'm trying to put this properly. <laughs> I, I mean, what, how do you get your rocks off? I mean, where does that come from? It's not the same rocks. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's not the same rocks. It'd be, well, I'll let you, you know, I don't want to be. Go ahead. No, go well, ahead. No, that's what this this is about. This is a conversation. So I'm essentially going to go back and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the things that I have in mind, but I want to understand what your thought process is behind it. Mm, I mean, I'd imagine it was it'd be it'd be some sort of um, control. Okay. I control the situation. I that this mm -hmm. person can't. Does the lady feel like she has more? She control? She has all the control. She can just she can do whatever she you know what I mean. She can. She has, she has the control over that situation. Mm -hmm. So I'd imagine and that that power is powerful. And, and there, that right there is empowering. And empowerment is, is enough to make you, you know, go forward thinking, like, you know, go forward with life being like, yeah, mm -hmm. I guess shit, I know what's going on, mm -hmm. you know? So I would, that's how I would take it. I'd take yeah. it that it was, it was more, you have just more control over the situation. Yeah, so you guys did the same thing I did. We talk about you know, males being um, the, the prisoners and females being the people who seek out them. It does go the other way around, oh, but okay. for... It rarely goes the other way it around. It rarely, though. but yeah. and for the topic of this discussion, we are talking about males primarily being the prisoners, females being the, the love letter people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can see that. You yeah. know? Because the other way around, we're just deviant ass. Mm. Fools, such assholes. Rarely happens. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'll date this girl in prison. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not for any like psychological. There's no like aspect <laughs> except for like that'd be dope, right? I got three girls in jail right now. They're my girls. <laughs> that's all it would take. Seriously though, they that's got all TV it would shows. take. Yeah. It wouldn't be some like psychoanalyzed situation, you know? I mean, it'd be on a small level, of course it would be, but you ever see Life After or Love After Lockup? No. That's a show to watch. It's people that fall in love with people that are in prison, and it's after they get out of prison, it's, it's the relationship. 
It's a That's mess. That's awesome. Oh, it's no. A it makes mess. fantastic TV. Just straight uh, trash. Yeah, but That's it's a terrible. mess. That's oh, yeah. It's a total mess. That's great TV, though. So, really, the long short of it is those individuals who seek out love in prison are genuinely not mentally well. Okay? They are not mentally healthy either. <laughs> so um, there's there's a there's usually there's usually a backstory. It's not like you know they gave up on usually they gave up on love or something in the past and they decided to go for this. I mean, it's not like you just jump into this. There's got to be some correlation. There's got to be mm. some sort of bad relationship previous. Well, yeah, and so and that probably stems from fan, friends and family, to be honest. Well, yeah, so. If you look at someone's life, right, they didn't, their experiences literally matter. Everything that they've ever encountered in their life matters. That's how they view the world that they live in today. So why would somebody, based on their life experience, want to seek out love with somebody who is incarcerated for really, really gnarly crimes. Sounds like they had some pretty well, shitty experiences. never getting out, essentially. Some of them are never getting out. Never. And some of them even have a death sentence. They literally are, be- they are on death row to die, and still they get fan mail. Like, what the fuck is going on there? It's safe. It's safe. So you guys, you, you Kyle... You've mentioned a lot of really good ones. And so the first one I'm going to mention is low self-esteem. Women who have low self-esteem, who genuinely can't, don't feel like they have the capacity to go out and meet other people, right? They have maybe some social anxiety too. I mean, there's a million things you can label here. But so, uh, so low self-esteem is genuinely how you daddy feel issues would be a huge one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, that's definitely going to be one we talk about here. So low self-esteem, you don't feel good about yourself. If you don't feel good about yourself, why would you care? Why would you, if you don't value yourself, how do you expect other people to value you? And so you seek out somebody who would, somebody who might not even value themselves either, right? Mm. Someone um, who may even in this situation be in your mind beneath you. Exactly. Yep. You know? And then you can have that control. Yeah. Also, yep. it's like yep. you get the best of both worlds here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one I have here is the lack of a father figure. So a father figure and how a woman, me as a woman, views the world. You know, my dad. He's a great father, and he always put food on the table. He always had a job. He pretty much loved us unconditionally. You know, he had his anger outbursts and whatnot, but values and morals I never really knew what my dad's values and morals were and I'm gonna tie this to me a little bit and I tell you why I I would never date anybody in prison (laughs) obviously because I'm happily married with my husband (laughs) but I would also never do that because I learned in other ways how to have a value and moral system but my dad never really expressed himself I didn't know what my dad's values and morals were. And I also saw the relationship between him and my mom. You know, it wasn't, um, it was okay. Like, they they got along, but there were times where I saw fights. And and then later on in life, it, it never, you know, they just became who they are now. And so it was kosher. Their relationship was kosher, if I can say if I can say one thing, what? Sorry, sorry. We were trying to make a notion over you. I didn't want to cut you off, so I was just. That's okay. So I was just making faces at each other for secondary. <laughs> so the value and moral system is really important when you get into a relationship. You have to know what you want, need, and desire in a relationship to be able to ever get in one. And if you don't know what those are, you're probably not going to have any, mm. or very little. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that one is Some tough. people just fall just blindly and stupidly into just lifelong relationships and not a single person oh, in between okay. the two yes, of them yes, you, had you, any clue on what a relationship yeah. was, let alone. And they before just you were. know what, they have nine mm-hmm. children and they live in a trailer mm-hmm. and they're just like, Mirr. Yes. You know? And you're like, you <laughs> fucking, what the hell? What did I say? What did I say? Yeah, they say, Mirr. But... I think I met those so people. I believe so that I, to have a healthy relationship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But not to have like just a relationship. 
I'm just saying, like, there's like a, it's like a bell curve is what I'm saying. Of I've course. Found that it's like yeah, a bell so curve. I am literally here. I'm listing ways, contributing factors to why women may seek out those relationships. It's not like this is the mm-hmm. only criteria. list that ever exists. It's not the criteria. Uh, this is literally to just suggest that these are things that might contribute to a woman seeking out a relationship with a male behind bars. Well, this one might just be a blanket one, too. Like, your lack of, like, blueprint of what an actual relationship is. Like, you gotta throw that whole thing out the window to be yeah. somebody in jail. Yeah, mm. exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. none of these women have that blueprint. Yeah. No. Otherwise, they'd be no. able to cross-reference and be like, this yeah. isn't even a relationship. I, don't I mean, that would take some level of self-awareness. But. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Lack of self-awareness is a really good one, too. Yeah. Um, so, along with that, like, the lack of a father figure... Um, I guess this comes along it doesn't necessarily have to be a father figure it could also be a mother figure too because mothers teach their daughters how to be in the world and when there is no mother and or there is no father how are we supposed to be in the world that is right yeah and broken so, homes definitely like yes, mess things up yes um, another one is some people believe that they have the ability to change someone. Mm-hmm. The bad boy mentality, mm-hmm. right? I can fix you. I, I can, can fix, fix you. you. Yeah. Or her. And that's probably going to come no. with like a sense of loss. You might. Right? Like you want to feel like you want to be part of something. Like a sense of like. Belonging meant or to purpose. Do this. It's like, a purpose. Yeah, when you change somebody, it's a goal. Right. It's like that person's destiny. Like, mm-hmm. I can do this. Yeah, like, exactly. That's a problem if you're seeking mm-hmm. a relationship for that. That's, yeah. that's probably a big problem. And everything here is on a spectrum, too. We have to always remember the spectrum when it comes to mental health. So, while, like... I'm going to pull us into this. You and I, when we met, weren't mm-hmm. either of us were not in the greatest space in our lives. Oh, yeah, probably no. You sure just not. got divorced months before. You were talking, then you looked away. Yeah, oh. yeah. You can't look at him. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you just got divorced months before, and um, I was kind of on the fritz. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just... Uh, I was about to graduate college, and and so you and I were able, though, to practice that self-awareness that you talked about earlier and um, help each other grow in a healthy way, mm-hmm. right? So you had mentioned earlier about the, um, why did I bring this up? Being catfished. No, no, no. <laughs> Are one of you on the spectrum? I know you said that. So I yeah, you're talking about mental health and the spectrum. The spectrum. Right. So, okay. So. I was guys. actually making a joke. I didn't realize we were going to go for it. So. No, yeah, yeah. So, mental health being on the <laughs> spectrum. Did it. it did help you. Right, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mental Welcome health back. being on a spectrum. So, <laughs> you and I were in darker places than we needed to be when we started a relationship but we were able to get through that together right exactly a prisoner and somebody on the outside how likely is that to happen there's not a lot Mm. of there's there's nothing there other than the fan mail and maybe a love letter or two talking about how much you care about that person but relationships maybe get that phone call every now and again right get that phone call but you gotta have commissary to do that shit so yeah, but she probably pays for that. They got lots of cell phones. And True. even then, so like, they do. How many of them yeah, actually... Yeah, depending jail or prison, yes. Yeah. <laughs> how many of these relate, quote-unquote relationships escalate into physically meeting each other? Or is it mainly just letters back and forth? Or do... I don't know the statistics for that. Uh, do we know how often this happens, statistically? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not know how. But since uh, this is also kind of on a spectrum, and nobody though, might like, know, I feel of like that. it kind of can start at also an early age. You know what I'm saying? Like you're always after the bad boy in high school or middle school, or like, yep. do like you think there's normally like a over? I I 100 percent do. I believe it might not. Really, I think it would 100. percent I feel like this is more of a closet because I feel you kind of get so you wouldn't stuck. be somebody because if you were somebody who could go out and get the bad guy, you'd go out and get a bad guy. 
But if you were someone who was closetedly getting bad guys, you'd go after these guys. It could be either or. Yeah, I could see it either way. I guess I think that this would be somebody who was. I can see that, but I can't see it going either way. Doesn't necessarily go off and. Because there's a lot of people that get stuck in high school and they just continue to do that. That makes sense. Well, I think it goes back to the self-awareness, right? Like, for me personally, I always was the bad boy fixer, in my opinion. That's how I viewed myself. I dated fucking Ryan and Joe. You, mm-hmm. you dated Ryan and Joe? No, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, that is how it sounds. That's definitely how it like, sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was no, waiting no, for no. someone to say A couple bad boys like, over here. Wait a second. I don't even know about this. <laughs> yeah, we fixed. Oh, yeah. We, got, we got fixed. We got fixed, y'all. But you guys Straight know saved. who I dated in high school. Yes, and yes, And it was yes, like, yes. what the fuck are you doing, yes. Chelsea? You're yes. a, you are not. <laughs> and maybe nobody said that. I want you fucking all thought it. Okay. So, and then I, I wound up in the, in the work that I'm doing. Helping bad boys become better versions of themselves. It's fucking wild. So it's like you found a different way to do it? Yeah. Still a bad boy fixer, man. Still a bad boy fixer, dude. You figure um, out a way to do it without the feel you behind find it. right bad boy to fix, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were kind of a bad boy, too. Uh, not so much. There's a, there's a lot worse. <laughs> okay. Uh, another reason is others seek to nurture these guys in prison because they might see them as the young boy he once was. So you got some mothers out there too, or mother or motherly people who want to try to nurture these guys back into who they think they could be in the world. Mm. That's wild. Mm. Like a mother, mother. And- Nurture relationship. Yeah, that's that's turned yeah, out. That's bringing some It's pancakes. convoluted as fuck. So it's like, wait, I'm your mother and your girlfriend at the same time. But that's literally these these, and this is kind of the bad boy fixer thing too, to some degree. But they want to bring them. They want to show them that they can be the person that they were supposed to be. Uh, this is very black and white. But others want to seek a spotlight. Right, so these guys will take Jeffrey Dahmer because he's just such a, a core aspect of I think who or who what kind of people we're talking about, and we've talked about him before. People want to seek that spotlight, so you know, so and so sends fan mail to Jeffrey Dahmer. Your name's gonna come up, and to some degree, that feels good, regardless of the reasons. Right, it's that negative attention that some people seek. Um, I wonder if. I wonder if you take the sexuality out of it from the perspective of the inmate. I wonder how much of these different like characters that are coming at them are like accepted. So if you look at this from like a non-sexual standpoint, the ones who need moms pick up the moms. The ones who need fixing picks up the fixers. Like I wonder I wonder if there are a fair amount of these that don't necessarily have as much sexual aspects the to crime. them oh like, yeah the whole relationship that's you know true. what i mean that's true because yeah. there is relationship if we're looking like at that. this from the idea that it's some sort of um what was the word you said the other one the second one you defined oh paraphilia so without take was taking that away from this i wonder if there's relationships that are being you know re- issues that are being met without a sexual aspect to it because oh. it sounds like they're wanting to give them something that they actually need. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. These are people who Like if you kept fixed. it strictly platonic. These are people who, do, like... who are missing certain aspects. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering through this process if like, you know, how much of this is, you know, sexual. Well, the so there's there's something important I think that that you're bringing up. So there's a difference between sexual desire, intimate desire, affection, and what's the other one? There's intimacy, affection. There's another one. If I I found out this was an affectionate situation, it wouldn't be so taboo or deviant. That's true. Like if you just had a pen pal, we're basing this weirdness of this entire situation on the sexual nature of it. But it could very well be that the majority. Well, yeah, like I said, like you say, you had a pen pal in prison. That's probably okay. 
So I don't know. I just I just thought that you know, mm-hmm. you know this this whole topic could be not as crazy as you thought it would be right when you first thought about it. Yeah. You're like. Well, oh. I don't think it's crazy at all. Well, how how often would it is it labeled as a um, hypersophilia? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true. Probably so, when it becomes a failure. Yeah, and there may not be answers to those questions. I mean, yeah. you could research forever and be like, yeah, they just haven't looked at it enough. But, I don't know. Well, yeah, thought. yeah, right. absolutely. And, um, like, the spectrum thing that I was talking about before. So, you have fan mail coming in all the time. But, like, the reasons why this information exists is because of those relationships that continue to exist. Yeah, they just didn't stay at that. Um, you know the guy that killed his two daughters and wife not too long ago? Yeah. Colorado, that guy. He's yeah. Out there, yeah. probably within the last two or three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, there was a woman who, who, who met, who like sent him some fan mail and she expressed that she watched him take a breath when he got his verdict from the judge and his sentencing, saying that essentially he was going to go to prison for life, I believe. And she said, I know how, um, like, not scary, scary is not the right word, but like, alone he must have felt. So for some instance, for whatever that was for her, she felt some empathic desire to express to him that she knows where he's coming from. Hmm. And I get that because like when I read this, I was like, oh my God, this kind of sounds like me, but I would never write to it. Like I would never do that. But like you guys have heard me talk about Jeffrey Dahmer and my compassion for understanding somebody who is Jeffrey Dahmer. And again, never trying to justify or rationalize why he was doing what he was doing what he was doing right but like he fucking he he was such a victim in his life and so i wonder what happened to this guy that allowed this woman to be so empathetic towards his situation i guess that's that was my understanding when i read that like does she understand like where why he did it or like where he's coming from in that nature or the The article i read didn't indicate much more beyond her just seeing him feeling oh alone alone was the word so she recognized him feeling alone when he took that breath and of course you feel alone like i feel in those instances and those matters it's simply that instance and like that feeling and that emotion it doesn't matter what he did it doesn't matter the second before or damn near the second after i feel it's that Yeah, I feel it's that right there is all that mattered to that person because ultimately what they're feeling also. It was literally like a... uh, You'd have to just be a psychopath with empathy for that emotion to happen. Essentially, yeah. And 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 most of us are empathetic people, so you just (laughs) add in psychopathy and be like, uh, I, I, I feel for you. And I can throw all that other stuff that other people are like, what? Out the window because I'm a psychopath. Yeah. I don't have feelings for that stuff. Yeah. That, yeah. I That's can only see those that. two things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And then you add, obviously, probably a. She probably had thoughts about it. She may have even been a pen pal to a couple people and been like, right. well, I know where to go to talk to this guy. So, right. She exactly. went down That's that road. It or it could have been the first time, you know? Yep. Exactly. The next thing is the mirage of a perfect boyfriend. Oh, I tell you. They are in the same place. So these guys, these criminals are in the same place all the time, right? They're obviously locked up. So they're lovers. (laughs) So they know where they're at at all times. Um, And to some degree knows that he is thinking about her. Because what else has he got to do? You know? Mm-hmm. She can uh-huh. claim that someone loves her, but does not have to actually put much effort into the relationship. Either. That's legit. So there is the no boyfriend. She doesn't have to buy him things necessarily. Uh, maybe, commissary. maybe. 
Can you match your pantry ramen tonight? Ramen, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe she's got to put some money on the books. But she doesn't have to put a lot of energy. She doesn't have to clean the house. She doesn't have to do the dishes. She doesn't have to do any of that. She has no she sitting there. She has she wants. no yeah. accountability. Wow. It's to feel an unrealistic fantasy. Like that mirage of a perfect boyfriend. That right. one makes That's interesting. a lot of sense. Hmm. It does. Yeah. Especially, um, more, that's more like a new age one, too, you know what I mean? Yes. Because you're always just imagining what they're doing, and you have that connection by the phone, and mm-hmm. you text, and mm-hmm. be like, yeah, you know, they didn't answer, where did they go, what are they doing, that type of stuff. So he's not, like, I know what that motherfucker is He's doing. not out there cheating on her. shit. Yeah, could be. Just saying. Yeah, true, could be. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, but that's why it's a mirage, right? You, you The control that you mentioned earlier, it gives women some sense of control that they have over the situation when in reality they don't have any. Hmm. You have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Especially if you have an underlying history of abuse or something like that. You're safe in that sense. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to control somebody who would normally do the things to you that got you to hear. Yeah. You know? Yep. That was actually one of mine. So flirting with danger while risking nothing. Right? Yeah. So some women are victims of abuse and they might gravitate towards those aggressors as a means to gain control of their pseudo-abuser. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not the person that abused them, but it's somebody who is abusive and so that they can... Yeah, I, like, I, have, I have the power. I have power yeah. and control over this. I rule you because I get to choose how much money you get on your books. I get to choose whether or not we talk. Hmm. Right? Because you get a phone call and you can choose to deny that or not. That's why the statistics would be nice to know. You it know what I mean? Be. Because You're it'd be so nice right. to know if the guys that that they're going after are are, are have sexual abuse in their history. You know, yeah. or or the domestic, criminals. Yeah, the criminals. It'd be nice to know if the guys, on average, have more sexual or domestic violence, or um, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So a lot of criminal offenders like the people we're talking about the people we're referring to here have a history a long history of abuse it could be emotional mental it could be physical it could be sexual it doesn't have to be it like there is a lot of abuse and that's i think that's the point too of the people fixing right these women come in and they want to fix these people to be the better versions of the men that they thought that they could be without that abuse like, oh, I can love you. I can show you what unconditional love it actually is. Um, another one is insecurities. So women might have a hard time cultivating a real or normal relationship outside of that uh, fixed setting, I guess you could say. So, um, and then attachment issues is is one of the last ones I put here. So... We all have an ability to attach to the people around us and it depends on our life experiences that contribute to how we view the people around us and how we want to engage with them. So do we want to get super close to them? Do we want to love them? Do we want them want to give them a chance to hurt us? Or do we not want to do that at all? Because I've been hurt too many times before. So there's a love avoidant attachment. They can have the love without the strings attached. So they don't actually have to ever get married. They can just love from afar. And they still get that feeling of loving somebody without anything else. Then you get the ones that actually marry. Well, that's a lot of man. Well, potentially. I know I didn't look into it too that far as far as like the life after. Yeah, the life well, a lot of these guys that we're talking about don't have a life after they're in prison for the rest of their lives. Right. What so, about the superficiality? Superficiousness? Superficiality, what? I believe. Superficiality. Super. Do they still, like, avoid uggos and stuff? You know what I mean? Do they still avoid what? I'm just saying. Uh, are, these, are, these, are these women still Uggs? only going for the bad, the attractive men in there? Oh, uggos. In prison? <laughs> yeah. Like the attractive yeah, ones? Yeah, they get now they get to choose. I mean, obviously... You know, do they, you know, does any of this psychosis negate, like, the superficiality of the situation? Do the attractive, so, lifelong inmates get more, you know, yeah, get more more attention? Get more of those love letters, baby. More, depending on do what they think? do. I don't know. 
Maybe. Is it probably, that's probably a possibility. I mean, that's perspective, do. though. I mean, he said that Ted Bundy, I mean, which he's not yeah. as good looking as people did, but in the 70s I mean, and 80s, but, he probably yeah, was he, a Yeah, I was going to say, looking at him, you know? he was a handsome man back then, for yeah. sure. Well, and I think this is perspective, right? Who do you find attractive and why? So this goes back, attractive oh, people. attraction. That's what the other one was. Attraction, intimacy, and affection. Mm. So, yeah. like, what, like, where are you attracted to somebody and how are you attracted to somebody? So mm-hmm. I, there have been people who are not that good looking. Uh, she looked right at you, right? She did. Sorry. Love Damn. you. No, 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 no. I looked at you because I, you would know this actor's name. Um, the guy who plays uh, the Mandalorian. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. His charisma is out of this world, and he's he is so fuck. fucking sexy when it comes to his charisma. But his but you would think otherwise. He's not an attractive his man. His physical look. I, think he's a, I mean, that's an attractive I, I would, dude, right? I there. would say he's maybe like a I think he's seven an out of ten. Dude. He's maybe a six or seven out of ten. Dude, he's a straight smash, not pass. But let's like not, his charisma. <laughs> Statistically, but, okay. most women find okay, it but, and I don't know if it's the charisma. I but think we just, don't know him without that charisma. Like Tom Selleck, bro. Everyone got real okay. quiet with Tom Selleck. So, <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know this Pedro guy without his charisma. If we did know him without his charisma, I guarantee... I, I Well, I can't guarantee. But I would say that, would you know if you found him attractive? I mean, he is one step away from country for old men. That actor. Um, no, Javier Bardem is is definitely. Are you talking? Uh, he would be a man that I would agree yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. generally an Bro, old, old, horrible yeah. looking man, but women find him to be attractive. Who? Javier Josh Bardem. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin is a handsome man. Yeah, he's a handsome man. He's got that chin, dude. But Pedro yeah. Pascal, I mean, he was fucking. You remember when the mountain crushed his eye? Crushed his eyes. He was like, oh, yeah. In Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he was sold as like this sex thing, you know? He was. Facts. I I think that you should find somebody who who I think what most people don't think is attractive, but you think they're attractive. I can't think of anybody for myself. Mark Wahlberg? No. I mean, he used to do Calvin Klein commercials and shit. Yeah, he's a pretty attractive dude. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you think of anybody that you 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 that normally, the uh, you'll know that a lot of people will probably find Miles. him attractive. But what's that guy's name? Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Everybody thinks he's attractive. I was gonna yeah, say he's kind of attractive. It has everything to Miles do Teller. with his personality. They're uniquely attractive people. It's like the whole cast of the nineteen eighties. You know what I mean? The whole. I mean, it's just oh, like, they're all beautiful. They just picked people who were uniquely attractive. So that's what people generally would like. Would you ever be able to look at somebody though? And and say they're sexy or cute without knowing their actual personality. Do they have clothes on? <laughs> That's a valid point. <laughs> Wait, so, okay, yes. one more time. Yes, What's the question? Yes. Can you look at somebody yeah. without knowing their personality and find them sexually attractive? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Wait, are they sexually attractive people? I mean, if I'm looking That's at somebody who's point. sexually attractive... That's the point, though. You're asking me a, an objective question. I can't answer that for you. You are the only person that can tell me what you think is sexually attractive to you. Joe finds sexually attractive different than you find sexually attractive. Not far from each other. It's not like we're in a different realm. It's not like, okay. oh my god, look at that fucking girl. And okay. I'm like, look at that fucking Let's squirrel. Let's take out sex then. Let's take out sexually attractive, just attractive. Just attractive. What makes somebody attractive and not sexually attractive? Attractive that makes attractive starts to get more saying. makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of where we're I mean, we're in this gray area. As long as you're symmetrical. Somebody, then. <laughs> well, we're in this gray area. So. I still think that these ladies are going down the attractive, like they're finding people who would statistically be found attractive by. And they might. I don't know. I'm yeah. not in their head. Actually, though, I have I seen some of these stories. I'm saying, like, if I, had to put I have money seen on some it. of these stories, and some of the dudes are not attractive. And some oh, of the women. Was that? Remember the guy, yeah. the lady that, uh, the guard that escaped with that big goony looking dude? The blonde lady? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think she uh, ended up killing herself. What? He know. got caught. Yeah. 
No. Um, you I remember. No yeah, I do Corey remember. Remembers. It doesn't I matter. Do. It's not like you remember their name. You guys no, remember. But anyways, probably about, I don't know, within the last year, there was a escape inmate. And then they found out yeah. that it was yeah. the guard. Yeah, 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 I remember hearing but about he this. But he was a big, goony-looking, like, yeah. they, I mean, she wasn't very attractive either, but. So, um, regardless, though, I think that uh, personality, so when these guys, right, these, these men who are in prison for really heinous crimes, most of them are on the spectrum of, on the spectrum of being psychopaths or sociopaths, and there's a lot of charisma behind that. I could see that. Yeah, but it's not like I mean, can I? Can you go on to like a uh, kind of like I'm looking for a dog at the pound? I mean, you get like a profile of these people, and like you can. Well, I mean, a might. lot of these. A lot of these, yeah, you might. Inmateonly.com. I'm not saying that. Like, there must be some websites that you can. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there is. I mean, you can inmate and search anybody, and there's often a picture sitting. If I knew who they were, but I'm just saying, like, I wonder if there are websites for these people. Well, unlike these famous killers, like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer, like everybody. Yeah, is there a rating system? Who these people fan to? Is there like a rating system? Do they go on and like look at the inmates and look at their story? They're aroused by their story. I mean, it's all published record. Looks. You know their story. That's true. I wonder if they do that. I wonder if that's... Well, I mean, they must have some sort of outlet to start talking to these these prisoners. And, you know, I just wonder if they have the ability to uh, pick and choose who they want to talk to. Would you find find a website? Meetaninmate.com. Safe American dating site. All right. Well, that probably shouldn't exist. Prisonmatepenpal.com. Yep. Penpaldating.com. Oh, wow. There's a bunch of them. Can we do like a homework exist. assignment where we all go for it, start boys. chatting with pen pal? This has profile pictures. Dude, I don't feel safe in this, even though these women apparently do. <laughs> Ooh, she's cute. Well, why they they feel safe because they have control over the situation. As you probably guessed by the name, women behind bars is specifically for incarcerated women and those who want to meet them. A free membership allows you to upload information and photos and view inmate listings. And find female inmates who are interested in chatting. Do you believe that should be a thing? What? Like what we're reading and seeing? Twelve best free prison like dating sites. I mean, there's Match. a lot of things I don't think should exist, but they still do. I mean, yeah. You know, Heather. Heather. She. Uh, she's got pictures. Oh She sports and athletics. She reads the Bible. Astronomy. She's into history and politics. Does and it, does it guys, say what they went in for? I'm trying to find that part. And that's uh, that's the thing here too. We're talking about women who are in love with people who created, who not created, who committed heinous crimes. Right. Right. We're not talking about some woman who's Actually, in that's there a good for point. aggravated vehicular assault. Well, they have to know that first. Years. Is what we're trying to find out. How do they know that? So they must go oh, through some. All sort of that of, is public record. If I know their name already. Yeah, I and need to you, know who they are before I can search who they are, but I need to find them. So I'm wondering how they find that person. I can't just go into public records and be like, "Give me everybody with a." I mean, when are you assume high prof- I'll pick which one I want. Prolific cases, mm-hmm. though. I mean, they're I'm saying there's got to be some. We're not doing that. Well, yeah, uh, well, yeah, but like as like with this, we're talking about like very prolific cases, like things that everybody knows about. I'm oh, so we're talking about like, like Jane Doe went to prison for X Y Z, and like you're trying to date her. Yeah, we're talking about like people mm. trying like, to go after heinous crimes. Like status. it was broadcasted on television. It. Was... I would feel like that skews the psychology of it though, because that person is basically infamous. And famous people get mail all the time from people. So, like, infamous people. Oh, yeah. People well, that's why would I said. So, the, the, so, the stats are the seeking out it. some sort of. I might try and fix them. Yeah. That was one of the uh, contributing factors. Yeah. I kind of I, I was leaning towards, like, the relationship side of things. Yeah. Well, we they're not having relate. You know, they're not having relationships with thousands of the ladies that write infamous people. Oh, yeah. For so sure. I was thinking about more like people who are continuing the relationship, not like wouldn't be writing like the first letter mm-hmm. because you're hoping. Yeah. But if I'm doing a heinous crime, if you're a serial killer, like Interesting. you, you might fall into those categories. Yeah, so we met on an inmate. Sex. It does. Rather than trying to find. 
Oh. Yeah. Would you, you continue what? to date Corey if he was, or marry Corey if he was an inmate? I wouldn't have met him if he was an inmate. No, I mean, in the future. Yeah, in the future. If but somehow if he, he becomes an inmate and he's a criminal. It depends on what he went in for. How long would you give him? It depends on how, what he went in for. What if it was jaywalking and it was somehow they gave him 35 years? To lock you part. Tax fraud. Tax fraud, yeah, something like uh, did victimless you do it on crime. Yeah. He did tax fraud on purpose. Yeah, yeah leave me for that. That's Why would you do tax fraud on purpose? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's fucked up. Dude, Corey no. just got put the dog no. off. Why did you do tax fraud on purpose? We don't even know that. This is a hypothetical, okay. hypothetical situation. Exactly. So. The question isn't why I would stay with him, or it, mm-hmm. if I would stay with him, it's why I would stay with him. Like, he asked me this question a while mm-hmm. ago. No, I, I, would you stay with me if I killed somebody? And I said, why did you kill that person? He said, good point. We had that conversation. It sounds like, yeah, that's that sounds all like it his takes. answer to something. Why did you kill somebody? Of course I would stay with you if you, and I, there is no... So a heinous crime is just justifiable? No. Mm-mm. I mean, if it was an accident, if it was defensive. Well, yeah, that's what I said, but. If you killed somebody because it was self-defense, of course I would stay with you. Whoa, but if you went out right. and murdered If you killed somebody people. because somebody hurt Dom really bad, of course I would stay with you. But the question was, the amount of time, how long would you wait for Corey? And I asked you. You don't answer my question with a question? Of course I ask a okay, question. Okay, well then, uh, never mind. So anybody <laughs> else have anything else? Wait, I want to know. Because <laughs> I'm just trying to ask How a hypothetical question. It's no if if he just... killed somebody defending Dom and he got life, where are you with him for life? 100%. Okay, 100%. so it's clearly just based off the act. The, it, yeah, the, if you like literally, I mean, literally went out there and killed somebody because you felt like it. I like mean, what? What is going on? Are you okay? Like what if it was accidental tax fraud and they were going to give him fifty years? Mm. Accidental tax. Fraud. However, I'm just saying. What if that? What if we take off the, the yeah the moral the spe- aspect? Yeah, of you it seems like that, you like, are oh because you were a so superhero. I'll morals. stay with you forever. But if because I agree or disagree with the the act, what if the act is arbitrary? Where all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I didn't know that was going to be the case. Right. I wouldn't leave. Yeah. Perfect. What if he's just driving down the road and all of a sudden somebody runs out in front of him and he hits and he gets vehicular manslaughter? It's fifty-five years. Yes, of course I would stay with him. Not bad. All right. Cool. Would you yeah. hope that she does? I, I would hope so. Yeah. But but to bring would up, would you hope that she does? Because I don't think in your I mean, if well, I was in that years, yeah, actually, I don't think that actually I would hope no, that, that is did. a good point too. I I would probably feel that way for the first year or two, and just then feel even like decade, I'm holding you back, even decade, and then you'd be like, you know, yeah, why don't you? yeah. By the time yeah. he gets out, I'm we're eighty. I don't even think I would last to the decade, and and I'm like, you know, especially well, if I knew a hundred percent, if I knew a hundred percent, I want to get out. Yeah, I would feel that's like selfish of me, and I was like, yeah, you should probably like, <laughs> you know, still talk to me. Sure, that's cool, <laughs> but like. <laughs> You know, because mm-hmm. I would have want that. Because I've always said, if you passed away, I actually, funny enough, I said, if we passed away and you never so find love, you enough. know Ryan has to take care of you for life, right? Wait. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, I don't I remember signing these papers. Yeah. <laughs> I've made that statement. So yeah. I wouldn't want to feel yeah. selfish in that regard. So I yeah. wouldn't even do that. Yeah, a thousand percent wouldn't do that. All right, all right. Yeah, so I think I'm going to be dating an inmate at the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> You're, welcome. You're, welcome. You're welcome. We already got the apps. Yeah, because it comes a point to where, in. like, you know. This is all about perspective and morals and values and things that we learn in life. This isn't, but, there's but no But this does bring up a good subject real quick I want to mention. Because you know me as an individual and a person. And you, and you generally know what I'm capable of. Say I was to randomly just kill somebody and there was no reason. Mm. How much would you care to intake of that process of decision making that I made to go through that? Like, oh, I would do happened. everything I could to understand. Okay, because that's where happened. I was kind of getting at with that is because I feel like if that happened with you, like there would have to be something there that you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that wouldn't make any I wouldn't sense. just write you off. I'd be like, what the fuck? that made you want to do that right i am all about figuring out people all the time because i feel naturally then 
you probably still would be with me forever because you would dig and then find the justifiable reason. And I never <laughs> find the answer. There may not be one. There might not be one. People live yeah. their entire lives looking for answers. And, and I would be wrong for holding you forever. That was deep. And that's what I'm saying. I, w- I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap this all up, boys, life is not black and white. It's all very gray. And I hope you all get to enjoy this podcast of learning about hyperstophilia and why people might fall in love with or and or send uh, fan mail to, Going to. their lovers. <laughs> and yeah, he said I'm literally scripting. <laughs> I'm literally Kyle's writing email right now. Dude, Ryan um, and Kyle dude, are I, fucked. Hey, I, I want to see these profiles. I just want to let you know, all right? And this is in uh, no way supposed to hinder you. Or help you uh, make decisions. Uh, this is literally just to uh, put some information out there for to make an object of your awareness, so you guys can continue to enjoy our podcast. So, uh, pancakes on Instagram, pancakes Pan- on Sunday. Instagram, follow us on Instagram, pancakes on Sunday podcast. Stay up to date on all new and upcoming episodes. We post there. Uh, we're on YouTube for Soup Squad, so check out Search Pancakes on Sunday podcast. You can watch our Soup Squad episodes. We also have audio, and um, yeah, that's. And Joe doesn't regularly sound like this. No, this is just gonna be for a couple episodes. Sorry, you don't sound too bad. Sorry. Though. Just a JP. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, or ideas that you want to run past Chelsea. Email us at pancakes on Sunday morning at gmail.com. Or you can DM us on Instagram and you'll see it as well. And we are open to conversation if you have any grievances or disagreements. Call her at 440. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Be safe out there. Bye. Bye. Bye.